KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, April 1st. Haitian asylum seekers in Tijuana will have more on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. All people 50 and older become eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine today. That's estimated to be about 400,000 people in the county. For now, there's a lot of infrastructure for administering vaccines, but problems with vaccine supply continue. Here's Scripps Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ghazala Sharif. Uh, we still don't know. In fact, right before you uh, called on me, I pinged the county to say, hey, do we even know how many doses we're going to get for next week? Because it's still a weekly thing. Everyone 16 and older becomes eligible to get a vaccine on April 15th. A San Diego woman who orchestrated a nearly $400 million Ponzi scheme was sentenced on Wednesday to 15 years in federal prison. 57-year-old Gina Champion Kane ran what prosecutors called the largest known Ponzi scheme in the history of Southern California. She took investors' funds intended as loans for businesses seeking liquor licenses and then funneled the money into her companies and personal purchases. We'll have some Santa Ana conditions again today on this April Fool's Day. It's also the Padres' opening day against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Temperatures will be in the 80s along the coast and in the valleys and in the 90s in the deserts. These hot temperatures are expected through the weekend. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Much of the focus along the border has been on the arrival of Central Americans seeking asylum. But Haitians have also been fleeing violence, political instability, and racism in their journey to border cities like Tijuana. KPBS's Max Rivlin Nadler tells us how black migrants are treated differently in every step of the asylum process. A community of Haitian migrants has been in Tijuana for nearly a decade, fleeing a devastating earthquake hurricanes, financial collapse, and now deep political instability and violence as an unpopular president tries to hold on to power in Port-au-Prince. Many Haitians are stuck in Tijuana, fearful that by crossing the border, they'll be sent right back to Haiti, but unable to make a life for themselves in Mexico. When a migrant camp was established in February at the El Chaparral port of entry in Tijuana, hundreds of Haitians set up tents hoping that they would soon be allowed to declare asylum in the U.S. Dorleon Ito was one of them, 
He'd been living in Tijuana for a year. He said that Haiti is his country and that he loves it, but it wasn't possible to stay there. There were too many criminals with nothing to do. Ido had spent five years working in Chile, but the discrimination there was intense. He was trying to get into the United States, even though he feared possibly being returned to Haiti. He said if they deport him, he wouldn't live in Haiti. He doesn't have anything there. He wouldn't have the money to leave, though. He's afraid. If he gets sent there, he's worried he'll get killed. A rule known as Title 42 bars the entry of any asylum seekers into the U.S. during the COVID-19 pandemic. Border Patrol has been immediately sending border crossers back to Mexico or their countries. Since the beginning of the Biden administration, however, more children, families, and single adults have been able to enter the U.S. and continue their asylum claims from inside the United States. But that hasn't held true for Haitian migrants. The Biden administration has removed over 1,200 Haitians from the United States. That's more than during all of Trump's final fiscal year in office. Gurleen Joseph is the executive director of the Haitian Bridge Alliance. Since 2016, her organization has advocated for Haitians trying to avoid deportation to an unstable and dangerous country. Right now, it's criminal for both the United States and Haiti to agree to send and receive people. When, when they land in Haiti, those people go in hiding. Joseph led a group of Haitian Americans down to Tijuana last month in an effort to connect with the Haitian asylum seekers and make sure they're safe. What they found wasn't reassuring. After a couple of weeks, we started seeing some anti-Black sentiments growing within the camp and then increasing what we have been saying, the vulnerability of Black migrants in Tijuana, in Mexico, the way that they can be targeted, they cannot blend in. Christian Nestor is a Haitian-American lawyer who works with Haitian Bridge Alliance. He says that many Haitians have gone broke in Mexico. So a lot of Haitians are stuck here and their workers' authorization has expired. So they don't really have any way to make any money. He doesn't believe that the treatment of Haitians in the American immigration system or the role that the U.S. has played in supporting the current regime in Haiti has deterred anyone from coming to the U.S. Even with the checkered kind of history, the United States is the land of opportunity and people really want that chance to live that American dream. Many Haitians have jumped the border fence in recent weeks, tired of the racism and willing to risk being returned to Haiti. Asking around the camp last week, Dorleon Ito was nowhere to be found. Jean-Claude Jean is still holding out hope. He's one of the last Haitians in the migrant encampment at El Chaparral. But even his patience is wearing thin. He says he'll stay in Tijuana another two or three weeks only, then he'll cross. Whatever happens to him, he'll have to accept it. He doesn't want to live the way he's had to live here. And that was KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler. On the onset of the pandemic, many electric scooter companies pulled their devices off of San Diego streets. But now they're back. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has more. 
Six scooter-sharing companies are now authorized to operate in San Diego, and a few are brand new, hoping to capitalize on the city's gradual reopening. Colin Parent is executive director of the mobility advocacy group Circulate San Diego. He says the city's relatively lax regulations have made the scooter market hyper-competitive, leading to several companies coming and going. And so I think one of the things that the city is going to have to to examine is doing some sort of a request for proposal to have a limited number of scooters and have a more a more regulated market so that it's more functional and, and permanent. Scooter sharing companies are mostly staging their devices around downtown, Hillcrest, and Pacific Beach. But advocates for low-income communities say they should benefit from the devices as well. And they really provide communities like City Heights, Southeast, other communities like that, um, community access to everyday destinations. And so Um, But also that comes into safety um, as well. You know, like bikes, scooters should be protected bike lanes, spaces where people feel comfortable. The city council passed scooter regulations almost two years ago and plans on reevaluating their effectiveness later this year. And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Coming up, the state is distributing more vaccines to underserved populations in hopes of reversing the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on people of color. But it won't happen without the community's help. I just tell them, you know, for the well-being of your whole family, you need to get the shot. And you need to really, really put your faith in God and put your faith in science. That next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. California is distributing more vaccines to underserved zip codes in hopes of reversing the disproportionate impact that COVID-19 has on people of color. But they can't make it happen without the community's support. CAP Radio's Scott Rod has this story from Merced County. Arturo Barajas started playing mariachi music over 30 years ago when he moved to Merced, where he's provided the soundtrack for generations of Mexican-Americans marking life's milestones. The music is the glue of our people. Mariachi music, in reality, is in every facet of life, whether it be the celebration of a baptism or the celebration of a girl's 15th birthday. These days, Arturo plays mostly funerals, usually two a week, and the deadly pandemic hasn't spared his loved ones. The music director that I had, he passed away from COVID a month and a half ago. My own brother passed away a month ago, more or less. Latinos make up less than 40% of California's population, but account for more than half of the state's COVID-19 cases. Merced County, which has a large immigrant and agricultural community, has been hit especially hard. But the state's efforts towards equity have barely moved the needle. Now, it's directing 40% of vaccine doses to underserved communities, and local clinics and residents are doing much of the legwork to reach those in need. Come in. I catch Dr. Rodrigo de Zubria on his lunch break. He's the chief medical officer at Castle Family Health Centers. The state has been very slow in the release of the vaccine. Pretty much everything that we get is gone 
you know, within a few days. He's confident supply will start to increase, but that's only one challenge. It's been a struggle to reach farm and food plant workers, and not everyone in the community trusts the vaccine. Castle has organized social media campaigns, and it's depending on individual patients, like Ricardo Juarez, who works at a nearby almond plant. He's sitting in the waiting room before his first dose. My idea of getting, of course, was for my health and the health of the people I love around me. He also hopes it will sway some of his coworkers. Because a lot of people in my job, they don't actually know the real information about it. And it's just people that believe what other people tell them. Local clinics are also relying on what they call promotoras, people with deep connections in the Latino community. Arturo Barajas, the mariachi musician, is one of them. He's helped hundreds of agricultural workers get immunized. I just tell them, you know, for the well-being of your whole family, you need to get the shot. And you need to really, really put your faith in God and put your faith in science. As we walk through downtown Merced, his community connections are on display. We stop by a music store, and the manager's wife works at the same school where Arturo teaches guitar. The manager doesn't hesitate when Arturo asks to borrow a guitar off the wall. De colores. Let me get my mask off. <laughs> De colores se visten los campos en la primavera. Last month, Arturo helped organize a vaccine drive for farm workers in the nearby town of Planada. He came with his guitar and serenaded the nurses administering shots, and the laborers waiting in line. It was a new occasion among life's milestones worthy of mariachi music, and one that might help Arturo avoid playing more funerals down the road. In Merced County, I'm Scott Rod. Y por eso los grandes amores de muchos colores me gustan a mí. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.